Welcome to the Clean Energy Revolution with host Jamie Krinsky. There are a lot of questions concerning clean energy. Is it safe? Does it really produce results? How do utilities and the government feel about clean energy? The truth is that it's here. It has to be our future, and we'll give you the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Jamie Krinsky. Good morning, and thank you for joining us on the Clean Energy Revolution. We've got a big show today, ladies and gentlemen, and we're probably not going to get to uh, everything that, that I've got in the stack, but, but here we go. Uh, our show is about the listeners, and we are very thankful for each and every one of you. It's, it's why we're here, and it's why this show is so important. I would like to invite you to connect with me, so please send me your thoughts or comments to Jamie, J-A-M-I, at thecleanenergyrevolution.com, or visit me on my website, www.thecleanenergyrevolution.com. We we are going to raise in this show and ask the question that you, the listener and energy consumer, would ask, while also identifying perspective and applications using clean energy. In this series, we will focus on the impacts that our energy has on your lives, your businesses, and your communities, while also being very tightly knitted with our economy and our environment. Today's show. On today's show, we will start the show with an exploration of a remarkable clean energy application focusing on multifamily communities. We will then dig into the viewpoints and position of our current federal politicians regarding clean energy or environmental and climate change. So let's get started. Uh, Today we have uh, a guest, Zach Henderson. He's a special guest to the show and an expert in the field of clean energy development and implementation. He works with the Greenway family of companies who we have had on the show uh, just about every week. Good good morning, Zach. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Jamie. I'm grateful to be here uh, talking about this important part of the clean energy revolution. Absolutely, and again, thanks for uh, for making some time to to share your perspective. So, Zach, can you talk to us about what is going on with housing, and more specifically, is there a way to develop a new housing community or communities that would would satisfy the middle market and would also be almost a carbon positive uh, footprint? Um, can, can you explore that with us? Well, absolutely. It's definitely an emerging market. And, you know, as of last year, we saw that there are over 7,000 multifamily buildings in the U.S. right now. Um, Important thing to think about, an interesting statistic I came across is 40% or so of new home buyers are millennials stepping up to the plate to buy their first home. And and of that group, about 60% of them said that they're willing to pay more to get a green near zero or net zero home. So it's certainly uh, uh, an emerging market and there's a much higher demand which is growing every day as this young market matures. Can you help us understand where this market may be heading Uh, given that statistic uh, that you just shared with us regarding the, the millennial demographic? We're in a, in broad in a broad stroke. Is is the clean energy housing headed? Uh, is it states like California, Florida, you know, the Midwest? Any perspective on on where those markets are heading? Certainly. Now, so far, 
you know, the majority of these uh, communities or multifamily buildings have been on the West Coast and the East Coast. You know, and following the trend of renewable energy development, uh, for sure, these concepts get grown and incubated on the West Coast, for example, and they make their way to the Midwest. So what I see happening is these will gain strength in the West Coast, you know, places like California, Oregon, Washington, uh, and they will grow their way into the to middle America. Now, now, you know, out on the on the coast, uh, you're, you're talking about these impacts or these, uh, you know, where the focus has been. So are there truly communities that um, are taking a look at, at the housing product um, and, and getting a perspective on, you know, maybe a net zero or certainly a, a low, lower carbon footprint from the manufacturing or the construction of the home, but but from a clean energy perspective, or dare I even say, from a microgrid perspective, are are these communities out there currently? Absolutely, yes. This is real. It is here, uh, and it's growing. You know, we're continuing to innovate in the technology and the building, uh, the building science methods that we're using to construct these communities and these homes. Uh, there are prefabricated options for modular, uh, super-insulated, airtight, and uh, completely off-grid applications that uh, the materials, the components, and the construction methods are coming down in cost. So we can expect to see this become more affordable and more prevalent as time goes on. Wow. And, and so why might these housing concepts make a great investment. We, we spent a lot of time on this program talking about how clean energy is is, is a good investment. Is, you know, wh- whether it's through, uh, you know, our fund, uh, Green, Green Wave Opportunity Fund or some other funds, you know, are, are these good investments for, uh, you know, for an outsider or an independent investor? Certainly. You know, these are a socially responsible investment, and there's a lot of awareness around that right now, um, as you've seen as well. These these communities offer several different returns on investment. For the, the home buyer, um, looking at these communities, they may pay a premium up front of, you know, say, 5 to 10% is what the numbers show. But the total cost of ownership of these multifamily or communities is quite low. You know, that investment and that premium that's paid up front returns itself several times over, over a 15 or 30 year mortgage. Now, for okay. the developer or for the investor, you know, they can expect to see a much better return on their investment when they look at communities or larger developments. It's economies to scale. Yeah, um, material that makes costs sense. And everything that, becomes much lower when you look at a larger scale. Yeah. So, so you know, Given that it's a good investment and it's an emerging market uh, in the areas that you've mentioned, you know how, how much customizing is is available out there if you were looking to, you know, get into one of these communities. Are are there uh, are they pretty narrow, or is the clean energy or efficiency uh, found its way to a diverse offering of uh, equipment and products? This may be the most exciting part of this. Now, we're in the age of Amazon and, you know, customizable everything. Um, There are a lot of different directions this could go. I mean, from floor plan, from amenities, you know, you name it. But especially with the Internet of Things, 
You know, everything mm-hmm. being connected, the smart home capabilities that we have, uh, the sky's the limit in what we can innovate and develop with these homes and with these communities. That's um, fantastic. How they connect to each other in a community or individually the functionality of the home itself. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Are, are there any, you know, as you continue to explore this application and this emerging market, are there any common myths out there about a clean energy, more clean energy home or more carbon positive uh, home? Any, any, anything that you've run across it that you could uh, uh, shed some light on? Absolutely. I mean, as you know, in this space, clean energy in, in general, there are plenty of myths that we have to dispel all the time. You know, I think mm-hmm. the, the most common is the barrier to entry uh, for the home buyer and the cost. You know, this all sounds good. And especially this young market is very excited about the, the capabilities, but what is it going to cost me? Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, the premium, you know, 5 to 10% on a high-end 15% premium up front, uh, it, it truly becomes affordable, especially when you factor in the savings and utility costs and water, um, you know, the total cost of ownership of these sure. properties. It's, it's truly affordable for that middle market. Um, so that's one so, common myth. Uh, it, it's it's it sounds like that these are amazing communities, and if and if they're if that road has been uh, less traveled, then uh, certainly seems like a uh, being a capitalist and an opportunistic marketplace. It seems like this might be a significant uh, uh, application that uh, could could turn a a pretty quick yield uh, for the investor. What 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 are so, so if it's so opportunistic and the upside is so so beneficial, are are there any roadblock any roadblocks for these uh, community developments out there? And, and you know, and I know that that's a big question, but uh, can you talk about what some of those might be? Well, there's certainly roadblocks. Nothing we can't innovate around. You know, I have tremendous faith in what we can do in this country to innovate. A um, couple roadblocks would be education and awareness. And like we said with uh, with the common myths, just getting that awareness out there that this is this is approachable. Um, another roadblock would be labor, um, skilled trades, especially here in Chicago. Um, just recently read in Chicago, they're asking retirees to come back to work this summer because there was so much work. I think getting skilled trades um, to build these communities may be a roadblock, but Mm -hmm. again, education is something that uh, we can innovate around this problem. So, How much utilities utilities look at at these communities? Would they view these communities as vital basically competition uh, to what they do or, you know, what support might uh, utilities provide for this? Well, utilities, a case could be made to them that this would certainly help them. Uh, The Mm -hmm. demand that they have to produce uh, for the residential space, that's a lot of energy that, uh, you know, they have energy efficiency programs to try and reduce that. But when you talk about net zero communities, where a large amount of energy in that space can be offset. Uh, it, to me and many experts, it looks like a benefit to the utility. Um, sure. 
Sure. In in, in um, I know I know up in uh, Chicago, ComEd has got some pretty significant rebates. So, for those Chicago listeners, you want to give maybe a, a quick plug on the rebate program up in in that part of the country. Well, certainly, and and across the country, utility programs you know have great incentives for energy efficiency right now. So it's a really good time to get an existing property efficient and uh, you know look at renewables as well because there's significant incentives as you know an uh, important thing to remember too looking at this from the utilities perspective for 40 percent of energy usage nationwide is from buildings and a good mm-hmm. portion of that is residential buildings so taking a look at this and partnering with developers on net zero communities would be a huge benefit to utilities in addition to their incentive programs, which also bring a great amount of savings. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I've, I think I've run across some stories uh, or some studies that uh, some of the utilities in Chicago are, are really looking at uh, microgrid uh, applications in, uh, in certainly a bigger light. Is, is there significant uh, demand offsets um, that... Uh, that, that even just having an efficient uh, home could could provide a you know a homeowner. Absolutely. Yeah, efficiency. There's so much that can be done with retrofitting right now, and the cost of doing that has come down quite a bit from when I started in that industry. Sure. So there's a premium again for for all of this, but the return is great for the home buyer or for the homeowner. Well, well, that's fantastic. Um, th- thank you, Zach, for uh, for calling in and, and sharing your perspective on on where the uh, where the investment can take us, and where this uh, emerging market with uh, clean energy uh, uh, is going as well. Uh, as always, you can reach me uh, via email at Jamie J A M I at thecleanenergyrevolution.com, or you can visit us at our website at www thecleanenergyrevolution.com. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we will examine from a recent report released by a, an investment mogul in this country, a company by the name of BlackRock, how a fundamental reshaping of finance is taking shape from renewable and clean energy investments. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The world is going green with everything from recycling and power generation to organic groceries and sustainable energy. Society is interested in easing the burden that humanity places on the environment. If making investments into the strong markets, consider a strong return guaranteed by investing in GreenWave. GreenWave operates with more than 25 years of actual experience in energy. It just makes sense. Visit greenwave-holdings.com for more information. GreenWave is a collaboration and energy solutions service platform that can deliver a complete package to support conservation, smart energy, and energy savings. From the product to customer service interactions to the marketing material, everything GreenWave does revolves around fulfilling the promises its value proposition makes. GreenWave is energy revolution made easy, fast, and affordable without the doubt of how to participate and the confusion surrounding energy by conventional 
additional utilities. Visit greenwave-holdings.com for more information. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to The Clean Energy Revolution with Jamie Krinsky. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jamie. That's J-A-M-I at thecleanenergyrevolution.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to The Clean Energy Revolution. Before the break, we were discussing multifamily communities being developed using a significant source of clean energy as a solution, as an energy solution for both both electricity and, and water. Now we're going to take a dig into a new report released by BlackRock, which is a, a mogul of investment uh, company uh, here in the U.S. And, and globally, on how how clean and renewable energy is fundamentally reshaping financing. First of all, who is Blackstone? Blackstone, as I said, is a global investment manager serving the U.S. with a commitment to helping more and more people plan for their fu- for their financial futures. This firm has a focus on sustainability solutions, corporate sustainability, and investment, investment stewardship. They've really come out with some very interesting findings, and, and I will go through them and, uh, and a few other independent reports uh, on this subject matter. Cl- climate change uh, has been and has become a defining factor in companies uh, regarding long-term prospects. The, the evidence, uh, as, as the report goes on to say, the evidence on climate risk is, com- is compelling investors to reassess core assumptions about modern finance. Research from a wide range of organizations is deepening our understanding of how climate risk will impact both our physical world and our and the global system that finances economic growth. Question that one may ask is, will cities, for an example, be able to afford their infrastructure needs as climate risk reshapes the market for municipal bonds? Many of the infrastructures in our communities are or are not prepared adequately for significant climate change um, investment. What will happen? What will happen to the thirty-year mortgage with with these clean energy applications and these these investments into you know climate change that have long long-term lives? What's going to happen to the thirty-year traditional thirty-year mortgage? Will that change? I don't know. I need this block around. It's a good question. What what happens to inflation, and in turn interest rates? If the cost of food climbs from drought and flooding, what happens to inflation when when energy has a significant a significant change? Climate risk is investment risk, right? I think that's what we've been focusing on most of the shows in some form or fashion. Over the, over the next few years, one of the most important questions we will face is the scale and scope of government action on climate change, which will generally define the speed with which we move to a low-carbon economy. Later in the show, we'll, we'll talk about where are the 
2020 presidential candidates uh, at with regards to uh, climate change. Um, many of us may have watched the debate last night, uh, rather rather boring, and uh, did have to ask myself a question through the show. Does anybody want to be president? It's, it's, an, it's another entire, entirely different issue. In the short term, some some of the work to mitigate climate risk could create more economic activity, most certainly. Yet we are facing the ultimate long-term problem. We, we don't yet know which predictions about the climate will be most accurate or what effects we have failed to consider. Twelve or so years ago, Al Gore told us we were uh, the, the world was going to be over in 10 years, 10 or 12 years. It's, that time certainly has passed. Recently, AOC told us that we, we are on the 10-year the cl- countdown. The world as we know it is, is frankly over. From an, from an accountable and transparent capitalism perspective, I, I do call to a few comments that the CEO of BlackRock indicated in, in this report, Mr. Larry Fink. He goes on to say that over, over the 40 years of his career in finance, He's witnessed several financial crises and challenges, the inflation spikes of the 70s and 80s, the Asian currency crisis in 97, the dot-com bubble, the global financial crisis. Even when these episodes lasted for for many years, they they were all, in the the broad scheme of things, short-term in nature. Climate change is different, he goes on to say. Even if a fraction of the projected impacts is realized, This is a much more structural, long-term crisis. It's going to impact companies, investors, governments. We almost be prepared for a significant reallocation of capital. Larry goes on to say, as we approach a period of significant capital reallocation, companies have a responsibility, an economic imperative, to give shareholders a clear picture of their preparedness. And in the future, greater transparency on questions of sustainability will be a a persistently important component of every company's ability to to attract capital. He mentions it it will help investors assess which companies are serving their stakeholders effectively, which companies are reshaping the flow of capital accordingly. But the goal cannot be transparency for transparency's sake. He goes on to talk about disclosure should be a means to achieving a more sustainable and inclusive capitalism. Companies must must be deliberate and committed on on how to embrace the purpose of serving all stakeholders, shareholders, customers, employees, and the communities in which they operate. In, in doing so, he goes on, Mr. Mr. Fink goes on to say. Your company will enjoy greater long-term prosperity, as will investors, workers, and society, once you accept the notion that clean energy investment, climate change endeavors are going to reshape our financial um, perspective. So I'm going to go on to dive into a few more articles and reports. Here's one released on January 13th, 2020 from Utility Dive. It's the title, 2020 Outlook, 10 Trends Driving the U.S. Power Sector. 
and I, I'm going to just flush through some of the higher points in, in the article. It points out the U.S. power sector is undergoing a fundamental transformation, and it has been for some time. But what are the biggest trends to watch for in, 20, in 2020, which is the, it's the notion of the article? As, as Utility Dive took a cross-section of industry observers, the, the following emerged. The economics of wind and solar and storage will continue to improve in 2020. It has been very prevalent on the East Coast, on the West Coast, but the economics for storage particularly has been challenging in the Midwest. And as a Midwest energy developer, I can tell you firsthand that the economics for energy storage often, often don't make sense. This article goes on to say we're seeing time and again, whether it is in planning processes that are conducted by utilities or whether it's in open solicitations in markets, that the combination of wind, solar, and storage is more cost-effective for customers than really any other options. That is mind-blowing, considering where we have come from. This includes relying on existing aging coal assets or even building new natural gas assets. Jeff Dennis, the, the managing director and general counsel, counsel at Advanced Energy Economy, told Utility Drive, this gave him this, this perspective. He goes on to say that the big trend is that there's going to be a continuing decline in the price and a continuing improvement in the ability to both forecast and manage renewables, which has been really the, the struggle for, for utilities. Oftentimes, they, they have told me personally that renewables are disruptive in, and they're unpredictable. The perspective of, of, of this report says that's getting better. Tim O'Connor, a senior director in the Environmental Defense Fund's Energy Transition Strategy, told Utility Drive that the trend of improving economics for clean energy technologies has accelerated over the past 18 months. But he expects it, expects it to continue at the current pace, pointing to the latest levelized cost of energy data from Lazard released in November, which showed the cost of storage and renewables are continuing to fall. Though not as fast as before, it's still on a downward trajectory. The continuing cost declines in renewable resources make them increasingly attractive to end users, leading to growth across local, state, and corporate sectors. The report goes on to point out that the rise in corporate commitments are, are ever, ever increasing. In, 2000, in 2019, we saw a record-breaking year for U.S. corporate renewable energy purchases. According to the, to the Renewable Energy Buyers Alliance, with 7.15 gigawatts of deals announced by the end of October, and again, we're talking about 2019 alone. With major tech companies like Google, Facebook, and Microsoft on the hunt for more renewable energy, they have been, because they're on the hunt, they've been leading the trend. A variety of non-tech companies, non-tech companies, are starting to enter the space. These companies are, 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 are widely known companies, Walmart, Target, 
Mars, Macy, Honda, Toyota uh, has has stepped into the ring of participating in clean energy investments and uh, policies. So we're up on a break. We're, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to continue to look into where the trends are for clean energy investment and deployment in, in 2020. And then when we, when we flow through and flush through that data, we're going to flip, we're going to transition over to, we're going to flip over to find out just where the, the 2020 presidential candidates are with their own clean, clean, uh, clean energy and climate change initiatives and what that might cost. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. GreenWave is a collaboration and energy solutions service platform that can deliver a complete package to support conservation, smart energy, and energy savings. From the product to customer service interactions to the marketing material, everything GreenWave does revolves around fulfilling the promises its value proposition makes. GreenWave is energy revolution made easy, fast, and affordable without the doubt of how to participate and the confusion surrounding energy by conventional utilities. Visit greenwave-holdings.com for more information. The world is going green with everything from recycling and power generation to organic groceries and sustainable energy. Society is interested in easing the burden that humanity places on the environment. If making investments into the strong markets, consider a strong return guaranteed by investing in GreenWave. GreenWave operates with more than 25 years of actual experience in energy. It just makes sense. Visit greenwave-holdings.com for more information. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to The Clean Energy Revolution with Jamie Krinsky. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jamie, that's J-A-M-I, at thecleanenergyrevolution.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to The Clean Energy Revolution. Before the break, we were pouring through a recently released article from Utility Dive talking about the 2020 outlook, the trends driving the U.S. power sector. Uh, I want to finish going uh, through this article. Uh, it talks about uh, coal's long-term decline continues. 2019 had a significant amount of coal retirements and, and is on the rise dramatically year after year. Certainly bodes well for, for renewables. There's increasing questions about the future of natural gas. While gas is expected to be the dominant generating resource in the U.S. through 2050, the need for additional capacity is increasingly coming into question. It bodes the question of why utilities have taken such an interest in renewables recently. It goes on, the article goes on to talk about state wholesale markets conflict Conflicts reach the courts. The, the, the energy 
the energy market is is not only in chaos surrounding what the future grid looks like. It's you know we we live in a litigious society and and you you can't hardly do anything anymore without having to bring the courts in to solve uh, some of these issues. Energy storage grows as as fa- as a favorite resource. Energy storage again is is fungible. It it, it can be developed across a wide a uh, wide marketplace and with the continuing fall in costs and its long-term or its longevity and low operating costs, it has become a favorite resource. Utilities can contend with the rising DER. Uh, the, the pace of DER capacity deployment is outpacing what we're seeing in terms of new centralized generation. So the decentralized um, local power generation is becoming uh, I would say um, uh, it's a dry. It's impactful. It's impacting the the, the grid and the utilities' oversight uh, in, in in energy generation. How about the rise in new regulatory models? Uh, it, it seems like with some of our clients as an energy developer, we 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 are challenged with utility contracts and rebates and different programs that they that they try to. Um, make these make these investments difficult, and and the community at large gets it. And, and this is this is where the market is heading. The, the focus on the grid model and, and grid hardening is significant. In 2019, the U.S. utilities spent almost 60 billion dollars on grid monetization, and that's just going to continue. What happens with the electrification of cars and transportation? Utilities are scared. How about the increasing electric? We just talked about the increasing electrification of buildings, vehicles, and, and other and other uses. It's going to fundamentally fundamentally change the market. States like California, New York, or and Illinois, believe it or not, are at the forefront of this broad electrification trend. In in California, for an example. It was noted that the movement towards banning gas in buildings, along with new rules and regulations to support transportation electrification, have become prevalent. On the transportation side, it has been pointed out to the rising penetration of electric, medium, and heavy-duty trucks as a key challenge for utilities due to their high potential for load and the need for infrastructure to be able to accept that load. And how that load might be able to positively affect your building. This notion of load sharing with a fleet of electric vehicles at your facility, wow, seems to me that demand might be an issue of the past. In particular, allowing companies to install that kind of fast charging concept that needs, that's, it's going to require investment in, in improvement of the grid. These things are going to be moving around from a battery standpoint. So trying to get an understanding of the of the case for electrification and how that might share in some load sharing is 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 complicated, um, but will become more prevalent moving forward. I've got one one more article that I wanted to talk about today. It is. Uh, from the Triple Pundit, uh, I found this on January 8th, 
and it talks about the three renewable energy development trends or applications that will define 2020. So in support of what we just saw at the utility drive, Ms. Tina Casey points out that wind and solar are a perfect match together. And by combining both wind turbines and solar panels with the hybrid renewable energy system, you may achieve the lowest cost of electricity. The basic idea is to manage the peaks and valleys of output of a wind turbine and solar panels to provide for a greater overall re reliability, m more of a base load for those energy engineers. With the addition of energy storage, the article goes on to say, wind solar hy hybrid plants have the potential, have the potential to replace gas power plants. Now that is amazing on, on the utility side. Look for more activity in this area as states and local jurisdictions along with business stakeholders, ramp up the demand for a 24-7 renewable energy industry. How about, how about the U.S. offshore wind industry? It floats, the article says. We here at the Clean Energy Revolution and, and the family of Greenwave companies don't have much of a dog in that hunt, but I like it. I like it. How about make a new space for solar arrays? We talked about this in last week's show, and this article points it out. In terms of renewable energy revolution, the local opposition to new wind farms and solar arrays is, is a key obstacle. Two approaches could help open that bottleneck by expanding the range of potential sites for solar panels and applications. One is floating solar panels. Well, we talked about how one of the Greenway family of companies is, is launching a, a new uh, and, and exciting floating solar uh, application. And so this, this points out that the trends are significant for, for building and installing these energy applications on man-made ponds and reservoirs rather than interfering with natural bodies of water. For farmers, we talked about this as well, the side benefit is that the panels reduce evaporation. Some areas that's significant. Hello California, hello, hello Arizona, hello all kinds of uh, different regional drought ap uh, applications. This, this, this avoidance of evaporation making more water available for agricultural use seems to be advantageous. And, and it seems to be an emerging market in and of itself water, as we've talked about and covered in previous episodes. Several wineries in California have already latched onto the idea and look for it to catch on elsewhere to generate their power from floating solars. Another approach that the article goes on to talk about is the budgeting field of agrivoltaics. That's the first time I've heard about that, but agrivoltaics. It is in which, it is in, in which Solar panels are raised high off the ground in areas pre preliminary devoted to the production of food. The added height provides room for grazing for livestock and establishing pol pollinator fields. Easy, easy for me to say and them to write. But the panels, it's another option. Although it, it looks like a few more years of research and development are needed in that area, 
to be cost competitive with other solar applications, including floating solar, um, is those are the three driving markets for um, a reshaping of power in, two, in 2020. I looked at, in another article, I looked at the U- U.S. Energy Information Administration and, and just wanted to take a look at what they may be saying um, the future looks like. So e- EIA for short forecasted the total U.S. electricity consumption, including direct use of electricity by combined heat and power plants, will decline by 4% in 2020 and remain flat in, in 2021. Well, that's interesting. I wonder if it's accurate. If if what we were just talking about is the electrification of cars, transportation and large and buildings that are going to require a whole new a whole new source of of electricity in a different times. I don't know if I don't understand how how it goes down. But they go on to say that the EIA expects 1% less in total U.S. power generation in the electric power sector during 2020 than in 2019. Less. Electric power sector generation in the forecast falls by an additional 3% in 2021. So it looks as if, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, that the trend is is on a downward trajectory. They talk about renewables capacity. EIA forecasts 13 gigawatts of utility-scale solar PV capacity will be added in 2020. 13 gigawatts. One of the other articles we were reading, we we looked at about that much is being consumed and 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 purchased by by businesses. But 13 gigawatts of utility-scale solar is, uh, capacity will be added in 2020. That is a lot of, of new solar. EIA, EIA also expects a total of 11 gigawatts in addition of small-scale solar that will also be installed during 2020 and 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about a significant area of investment. Various states and federal policies support EIA's forecast with regards to solar capacity growth, including California's requirement that beginning in 2020, all new home construction has rooftop solar panels. Tariffs on PV modules are, are, are impactful. It's If you're in the business, you, you hear about it all the time. But the tariffs on PV modules imported into the U- United States started at 30% in January 2018, but they've declined to 20% in 2020 and are expected to decline to 15% in 2021 and expire completely after 2021. The article goes on to say that during 2018 and 19, increases in U.S. Uh, domestic module prices to an extent offset by declining declines in global module prices offset. Being in the business, I'm not sure that I felt that offset. It was more of a challenge than, than that article leads you to believe. Anyway, it's time for a break. On the other side of the break, we'll finish up looking at what the market in 2020 looks like for energy investment. 
and then we will transition over to what the 2020 presidential Democratic candidates are talking about with their plans, and not only on climate change, but their plans on spending taxpayers' hard-earned money. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The world is going green with everything from recycling and power generation to organic groceries and sustainable energy. Society is interested in easing the burden that humanity places on the environment. If making investments into the strong markets, consider a strong return guaranteed by investing in GreenWave. GreenWave operates with more than 25 years of actual experience in energy. It just makes sense. Visit greenwave-holdings.com for more information. GreenWave is a collaboration and energy solutions service platform that can deliver a complete package to support conservation, smart energy, and energy savings. From the product to customer service interactions to the marketing material, everything GreenWave does revolves around fulfilling the promises its value proposition makes. GreenWave is energy revolution made easy, fast, and affordable without the doubt of how to participate and the confusion surrounding energy by conventional utilities. Visit greenwave-holdings.com for more information. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to The Clean Energy Revolution with Jamie Krinsky. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jamie, that's J-A-M-I, at thecleanenergyrevolution.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to The Clean Energy Revolution. Uh, Thank you for staying with us. We've been talking about the impacts that clean energy is having with investment. And and I want to transition over to the 2020 Democratic candidates and where they are with climate change and energy investment. But before I do that, I will point out just one more article uh, that I found. It's why your 2020 resolution should be to to buy more renewable energy stocks than, than previous. And again, you, you can invest through opportunity funds like ours at greenwave.fund, or there are certain companies that you can buy stock in. And basically, the article goes on to talk about uh, energy storage is going mainstream and that you could look into companies for not only energy storage, but clean energy investment, companies like NextEra uh, on the New York Stock Exchange, it's NEE, uh, Duke Energy on the New York Stock Exchange is DUK, NRG, uh, energy, also a publicly traded company, uh, is NRG, and Excel Energy, XEL, um, are all exciting companies that are investing very significantly, and I mean very significantly, in clean energy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to transition, and I wish I had some music to uh, drum roll or something. Let, let's identify where are the 2020 presidential candidates stand where do they stand on climate change 
What are their energy plans? We'll look in the time that we have left. We'll look across Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Michael Bloomberg, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, Bernie Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren. I don't know if we'll get to her. She's a lot of plans. That's a lot of plans. Let's start with Biden. Where's Biden at? On June 4th, Biden released his $1.7 trillion for uh, a plan for clean energy revolution. It's a climate plan. And in his plan, he does a wonderful things. I, I wonder if they're feasible. Uh, certainly not financiable, financeable, but uh, uh, certainly would be good for us in the energy space. He wants to ensure that the U.S. achieves 100% clean energy, has a 100% clean energy economy, and reaches net zero emissions no later than 2050. That's an amazing plan. Very, very aggressive. He wants to make a historic investment of over $400 billion in 10 years in energy and climate research and innovation, as well as clean and resilient infrastructure and communities. And we talked about the communities earlier, so I get it. He wants to recommit the United States to the Paris Agreement on climate change and, and lead an effort to get every major company, country rather, to ramp up the ambition of their dom dom domestic climate targets. I didn't think that Paris Accord was the best plan, but Biden wants back in. He wants to stand up to the abuse of power by, by polluters who disproportionately harm communities of color and low-income communities. I, that I could stand. I could stand up for. He wants to fulfill our obligation to workers and communities who, who powered our industrial revolution and subsequent decades of economic growth. He, like like Miss Clinton, just want to do it and, and drive those uh, coal miners and those those dirty coal companies out, out of business. That didn't work very well for, for her, but it might work different for Mr. Biden. He, he will demand Congress enacts legislation by the first year of his president, presidency, if should he be elected, God help us. He goes on to talk about establishing an enforcement mechanism that includes milestone targets no later than the end of his first term, 2025. Wait a second. I thought he said he was only going to do one term. It's very confusing. He wants to make historic investment in clean energy and climate research and innovation. He wants to incentivize the rapid deployment of clean energy initiatives across the economy, especially in communities and most, most impacted by climate change. Biden's quote, Biden believes the Green New Deal is a crucial framework for the meaning of climate ch challenge we face. It powerfully captures two basic truths, which are at the core of his plan. The United States urgently needs to embrace greater ambition on an epic scale to make the scope of this challenge. And our environment and our economy are, com are completely and totally connected. Yeah, that's not so bad. He has got a lot of tracking and uh, he seems to flip-flop a bit along the way. But that's his plan. There's a trillion dollars in some epic, like his work, epic investment. Oh, there's Bloomberg and I'm up against the clock again. Uh, Bloomberg, his, his plan is uh, fairly significant. 
It is, uh, what is he, 100% clean energy on December 13th. In it, he commits to propelling the country towards a 100% clean energy economy, wide future, as as soon as humanly possible and before 2050. Ah, he's going to do it faster than Biden. Not Bloomberg, he's got some money. He may, he may have something there. All right, let's see, yada, yada, yada. Accelerate the deployment of clean energy resources by expediting the siting of transmission and clean energy projects. Hey, that's good. I believe, I believe Trump is also in support of that. Must work with states and railroads to streamline approval of siting and interstate transmission lines. That's a good idea. Uh, oh, this is a good one. Here's a good one. He wants to quadruple the, fre- the federal R&D investment in clean energy and a clean grid to at least $25 billion a year. Big numbers. All right. That's Mr. Bloomberg. And I have three minutes left. How about Mr. Buttigieg? Where's he at? Let's see. He released his plan on September 4th, 2050 again. The plan includes a timeline for becoming net zero emission society no later than 2050. Uh, sorry, Buttigieg. Bloomberg has got you beat. What else does he say? By, by, uh, the plan includes a timeline for becoming a net zero emission society no later than 2050. By 2025, uh-huh, he wants to double the clean energy generated in the U.S. That's pretty aggressive. By 2035, he wants to build a clean energy, clean electricity system with zero emissions and require zero emissions for all new passenger vehicles. Ah, he's forcing electrification. Ford and GM are going to love him. All right, by 2040, he's going to require net zero emissions for all new heavy-duty vehicles, rail, buses, rail. He's probably with AOC. Let's get away. We probably don't need planes anymore. That's a bad idea. Oh, Buttigieg, he's got some plans here. There's pages of it. Uh, oh, he wants to support agriculture and significantly invest R&D to a powerful solution for climate change, including soil carbon sequestration. People invest, oh, it's $50 billion here, it's $25 billion there. Oh, Pete, Mr. Buttigieg. That's a tough one. Let's let's see where uh, Ms. Klobuchar is at. In the few minutes that I have left, da-da-da-da-da, looks like June 18th, she released her plan. Ah, she's going to get the United States, United States back in the International Climate Agreement on day one. She must be a big fan. Oh, I just am not going to have time to get through this. And I didn't even get to Bernie Sanders, which is very exciting. And, uh, and yes, last but not least, uh, Miss Warren. And she has got a plan for everything. Well, that looks like that's all the time that I have. Uh, I'm going to have to draw this to a close. And then we'll, we'll talk about uh, Bernie Sanders and, and Miss Warren um, maybe next week. And it's very riveting very riveting information. Uh, let's just hope that uh, they don't start spending all, our taxpayers' money. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining us today. Please re- please connect with me on my website, www.thecleanenergyrevolution.com. This show is about our listeners. It's for the listeners, and it is why we are here. Next week, we will take a dive into clean energy applications across commercial and industrial utilizations and really look at the value and the benefit that they provide. Thank you for listening. Please come back. We've enjoyed this last hour, and hopefully it was enlightening. Hope to to have you back next week. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Clean Energy Revolution. 
Please join your host, Jamie Krinsky, again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week.